You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 140. Uh, my name is Marvin Yu, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have once again self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Ju. Hey Marvin. Hey Jess. How's it going? I how's the existential dread of being an Asian American in 2023? Well, I'm I'm like a remote Asian right now because I have um only been working in the comfort of my abode. Uh, which has been great. I have a very, I've, I've essentially taken over the living room. Um, so, so like half professional. Cause then, cause we know the real work is when you got to go out into the community and start like talking and wheeling and dealing and like making sure everyone's happy. Right. So I haven't stepped into that right now. I'm just kind of in my own little bubble, which has been nice. Yeah. Well, very excited about your return to professional Asian Americanness. Uh, welcome back. We missed you. Um, also joining us, the most professional of culture editors, Han Nguyen. Hey, Han. Hi. Ooh, Hi. you sound TCA hungover. I mean, I'm just, I haven't had a vacation since TCA, and usually I get like the week after or something, but I'm kind of holding on because I have to wait f- to hear when one of my people is going to go on vacation first because I want her to go and then I can go. Um, But we're waiting on that because of there's a set visit she's supposed to go to. So anyway, so I feel like I'm I'm at work and I'm like only half there (laughs) sort of like in spirit. Uh, Yeah, I'm a little (laughs) tired. (laughs) Manager life, man. I mean, it's also a busy season for you guys, right? It's like awards are going around. Um, There's lots of culture. happening. I mean, culture never ends. That's the problem. I think it's that's one of the things that like but that's also the life of a journalist, I guess. Like, you know, I could do the same complaint if I was like a news and politics person. Like it never ends. There's like, especially these (laughs) days, there's like no shortage. I remember back in the day when I was covering TV and there were things like summer and reruns and stuff like that, you know, where, Oh my man! And so CNN now it's, is the worst thing ever invented. I swear to God, like we don't we it it it, it like rewires your brain in a bad way to see all these things in like twenty four hour succession. Well, yeah, and I think you know things like Netflix and other stuff like that kind of created an environment of twenty four seven entertainment. And so, like literally, when we complain about like award season, it's not just the awards people who are a problem, the voters, but it's the fact that they can't watch everything, right? So they kind of have to go to like their their comfort zone and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, well, how can they watch this thing that's on? Like they had a really, really, really good um, uh, skit for Pedro Pascal and SNL where it was like a game show, but no one knew what anything was on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, yes, I, was, I did see that one. That was great. He had a really <laughs> and, good episode. Oh, my God. Everyone watched that episode because every single skit was pretty damn good. So anyway, that was a good one. That cold open was pretty good too. Bowen Yang playing inanimate objects is like it's it's kind of his thing, right? The new lazy Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Anyway, so yes, I'm tired, and I just need an actual, probably a staycation first. Yeah, well, good thing because this week we're traveling to <laughs> the Isles of Inner Sheeran, um, which 
I believe is not a real island yeah. of Ireland, but it's real to me. Um, <laughs> this week we're um, beginning our Oscar watch, I guess. Um, actually, no, because we already did Everything Ever All at mm-hmm. Once, which is Oscar nominated. But uh, yeah, we're checking out The Banshees of Inner Sharon, a film that, you know, while not featuring any Asian Americans, um, does feature places that Asian Americans might want to go to. So <laughs> I guess that... That makes that that works there. Uh, but before we get to that, um, let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Um, let's start with Jess. I'm very excited about your what's popping because I live pretty close yes. to. Oh yes, you that did area. move south. Okay, so um, so for my new job, I have to watch a lot of content, and so kind of the last thing I want to do after I log off is to watch more things on the mm-hmm. screen. Even though mm-hmm. you know we are. We go from the bad screen to the good screen. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like fried. So what I did was I went to experience life, real what? life. What is that? In the world. <laughs> and I did so in celebration of an early Valentine's Day celebration for my fiance. And I took him to the Pirates Dinner Adventure in Buena Park. <laughs> so for those of you who do not know... It is like medieval times, but with pirates. And for those of you who do not know what medieval times is, <laughs> it is a reenactment dinner entertainment spectacle in which um, very athletic young men playing knights ride horses and entertain you with games. And there's a plot line about that's like very pro monarchy, like, you know. And it is a time-honored tradition in Southern California for some schools. I don't know if you did this, Marvin, but you basically get bused to a medieval times field trip in the seventh grade. I think that's when you do European history for the first time. <laughs> and and that that is a very well-beloved tradition. And the best part is you get real good food mm-hmm. at medieval times. Um, you get like a half-roasted chicken and a potato, and they don't give you utensils because utensils were not authentic to the medieval times. But let's also say, we're not talking about medieval times. We're talking about the pirate dinner adventure, which is right next door. I mean, I do want to say, um, I did not go on a school field trip to medieval times. I feel like I Me was um, robbed of that experience. Um, but the few times that I have gone to medieval times, my night has never won. It is a sore spot for Oh, uh, our night won when in the seventh grade. That was fucking amazing i'm not gonna lie um <laughs> but it's very you know it's interactive and and it, it is a thing that is very um peculiar to entertainment capitals shall we say so they're not everywhere they are in L- los angeles or really orange county right like like 20 minutes north of disneyland right out to knott's berry farm there's like not a disney caliber thing yeah it's Buena it's Park. Buena Park. So it's, it's like, still orange county yeah. but like yeah, it's like not top tier amusement park, shall we say. And then there's one like Orlando, like they have outposts in Orlando, but like that's it. I think there's like another company that does this in Las Vegas um, at the Excalibur. Um, in, at the Excalibur. Yeah, but it's not Medieval exactly. Times. It's a different company. Um, but same idea. But they have a mermaid pirate <laughs> ocean version right next door, which I've always wanted to go to, but you know, it's at least in my crowds, it's less seldom talked about. And this is the kind of thing that we've joked about going to. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do this. So (laughs) the food is always terrible. Like in these Mm -hmm. things, you know, it's like you're getting like banquet food, Mm -hmm. but you walk in and you get hit with this, like that smell of like overly chlorinated water. 
mm-hmm. like an amusement park, which is great. And like literally the stage is a ship. Mm-hmm. And then you are seated in a color section. Uh, we were the purple team. And you have a corresponding pirate <laughs> who, um, and then they play games. Let me tell you, the story made zero sense at all. Oh, like, yeah. Like there was no sense. They had something about a mermaid um, and like pirates and you need a first mate and the princess has been captured and the Navy's after them. Uh, there's like a very vicious pirate king and then there's love and it barely makes sense. Um, but it's great because number one, just camp as hell. And number two, everyone is ridiculously attractive in this show. Or like 80% of the cast is really hot. And it did send me in a bit of a bisexual panic. Um, Like the mermaid is also an aerial artist. And so she starts off as a mermaid, but of course she gets legs on dry land. And then she does aerial arts, like, like, you know, silk aerial arts spinning. And, and she's just like very fit. Like the person who does this has to be very fit. And you're just like, wow, this woman has like back muscles and like glutes, like, like, damn, she works out and um, respect. And then, like, she has, like, this love story with, like, one another sexy pirate who is also an aerial artist. <laughs> and, like, he's just, like, shirtless. And you're like, okay, there was a Filipino pirate in my cast. And he was quite swagalicious, I will say. I <laughs> uh, didn't think that would do it for me. And I'm just like, this is such a weird mix of it's a kid's show. Because, obviously, their main demographic is kids. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of like interaction with the kids They get pulled up to do fun things and, you know, the writing and some of the jokes are really like geared towards that. And then the other half of the show is just kind of horny. <laughs> it's like really sexy and you're just kind of like, this is a weird swing. It's fun for the whole family. Oh, no, I will say, yes, it's fun for the whole family. There are a lot of groups there with no children, just like groups of pals people on dates like me and Raymond um, and you know you can always find a group on and or a discount code so I will say if you have nothing to do and you're willing to drive down to Buena Park I would highly recommend going to the pirate dinner adventure show if not for the uh, and you can film everything uh, and it's just a it's just a it's a good time it's it feels very site specific shall we say <laughs> Yeah, I've always been curious about the pirate show because I've been to that medieval times and my local portos is right next door as well. Oh, that is so your I, local portos? All the time. That's the closest okay, one to me. Just, that one just or the West FYI, for again, those of you not in the know, there is a large portos in between the medieval times <laughs> and the pirate dinner adventure theater. Like literally just smack dab in between. Um, so I hit up both those establishments in one day. I did go to Portos earlier that day. And you know, like where else in the world, besides maybe Orlando, Florida, do you... But we have better weather than Orlando, Florida. So, you know, just enjoy the camp. Enjoy the spectacle. Um, I don't know the pirate dinner show is unionized, but Medieval Times also, there was like a big story because all the like knights just unionized too, which is very cool. Um, and it's just a... It's just a good special time. It's It's more interesting than sitting on your couch... It's uh, it's different than seeing, you know, like, a, I don't know what do regular people do like on date nights, like go to a bar. <laughs> I don't go to bars. So there's a lot of alcohol available, though. And some of the drinks did sound pretty good. But again, I don't drink when I have to mm-hmm. drive, uh, drink and drive safely. So, you know, it was it was a fun time. I would, you know, lower your expectations. 
go for fun. Don't expect some theater. Like everyone's mic'd up, but like the sound system must be like 30 years old. I could not understand like 60% of what was happening. The wigs were like not high end, but you know, that's part of the charm. <laughs> Han, you have seen this show, right? Do you agree with everything I say? Most of it. Um, I probably, I'm going to say maybe because they unionize, they're better now. Um, uh, I went a while back. It was for a friend's birthday. It was her wish to go. So that it alone made it fun because it was a group of us, you know, that we were united in wanting to see something very corny, yes. uh, which was definitely it. I think it... Did you say corny or horny? Uh, Probably more corny on my part, just because I don't think I like the pirate I was assigned to. Um, <laughs> and so that that might have been my biggest beef. Also, just the food. You know, speaking of beef, the food wasn't great. And so I was kind of like, well, I don't no, like my the pirate. Food, the food at Medieval Times is definitely better. At Medieval I, Times, you get like a rotisserie chicken. I wanted to go to Medieval Times, but this was her, you know, wish. So that's yeah. fine. Um, so I was kind of just like, ah, the food. And also, I don't like my pirate. Um, so that was that's just fair. kind of annoying to me. And I don't remember a hell of a lot beyond just being there with my friends. So I wonder if like, let's say the... Um, the performance got better. I, I remember, here's one thing I, I found a little annoying. Maybe it's also because I didn't like my, my guy, but um, I felt in some way like I was at a pep rally that I didn't want to be at um, because I don't like pep rallies. And then I was like, oh, if I, but I have, let's say, attended soccer games or concerts where I enjoy cheering people on. So I was like, I think I just got the dead pirate. You just really did not like your pirate. I no, did it. No he wasn't riz. that cute. The pirate had no riz. Right. So yeah, I, that kind of sucks. There was definitely highs and lows. Like, you know, when, when we get like sexy aerial dancing, I'm like, ooh, this is great. Very horny into it. 10 out of 10. And then there was like this part where they, you know, it's like a series of stunts wrapped around a loose story. And there's this part where they just kind of bounce on the trampoline, but they don't really even yeah. flip. Half of them don't even flip i'm like i could do this what the hell yeah but you know it was still like an experience and so i enjoyed because i also look at screens all day long you know i did enjoy getting out um yes well out. anytime you want to go to medieval times let <gasps> me know i'm so down um yes. i feel like the, the the probability of you getting a sexy night is a little higher because like you kind of have to be more fit i think to be a medieval times like horse well dude even if i didn't just the fact that i get like a roast chicken <laughs> yeah and and they hide a potato underneath the chicken that's my favorite part yeah so anytime you want to go hon well maybe i'll ask for that for my birthday <laughs> yeah that'll be fun let's make sure to sit in the green knight section oh, oh i was a green knight once and i did win it was we, the cum rag. It was because of the cum rag. Yeah, I we was should wearing. All, we should just be wearing the cum rags. <laughs> is that the is that the party favor a cum rag? You get a cum. Wait, who's come on it? We we should see Yikes. if we can make a request. Tells, Honestly, tells, yes. I would take that. So if I had to uh, get it myself, I would take that. If they were right, smart, on. <laughs> if they were smart, they would assign a South Asian man to be the Green Knight. Anyway. Oh, make him grow be a beard oh my god yes yeah anyway all right han what's popping <laughs> speaking of fit uh good looking people um mine is not a k drama this time but it is a k reality show <laughs> uh called physical 100 um yes i've moved on to another reality <laughs> show beyond singles inferno 
Physical 100 is uh, the new Netflix Korean reality show that pits 100 fit people (laughs) against each other um, to figure out who has the perfect body, whatever that means. Um, What's interesting about it is that it is 100 people in various, um, uh, I guess, disciplines, and that includes women, too. So you got your bodybuilders, you got your weightlifters, you have Olympians, um, you have MMA fighters, CrossFitters, um, and then they're just the random ass people. So then there's like the the night watchman at some place, and then there's uh, a yoga instructor, um, a physical, a few models who are physical fitness models. Um, one was a guy from Singles Inferno. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who was a backup dancer to a famous Korean pop star. I don't know. Um, but uh, so he, that was his claim to fame in singles Inferno, but then he went from singles Inferno to this and people were like, is that the guy from singles Inferno? So that was really funny to hear them talking about him like that. Um, so yeah, what's, what's nice and fun and cheesy is um, when they, they take literally half of the first episode, like 30 minutes to introduce all of them because, which I'm kind of glad at because, I don't know any of these people except for the Singles Inferno guy. Um, and they give you a little bit of background for most of them. Um, but when they walk in, they walk into this huge sort of arena filled with like pa- uh, plaster busts of just their torsos. And so they have to walk around until they find their bust. <laughs> like no head. Right. No head, no arms. It's just like from the their pecs. belly button up to their neck. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So with with some of them, they're like huge and other ones, they're like, is that me? You know, and and so they walk around, they have the names there. And so they'll like laugh, you know, because some people are huge. Like people will walk in. They're like, his forearm is like the size of my thigh or stuff like that. And they're like, just look at his neck. And, you know, there's there's a very, I guess, I don't know, an open way of speaking about physicality um, or physical attraction or perfection. Uh, on TV in Korea so there's a lot of like very much like but his muscles are just insane Um, which I think (laughs) is really funny so that's interesting I think the other thing is the ways they try to figure out to show off their strength that makes it equal so the very first um, sort of challenge is for everyone to hang from this sort of scaffolding um, as long as they can and um, if you fall, then you fall into like this sort of pit of water. <laughs> no one dies. Um, but so that. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. So what makes that interesting, of course, is that the big bodybuilder guys can't hold their weight that long. And it's the scrawnier sort of wiry people who hang on longer. And that includes some of the women. Um, uh, obviously, there are things at some point that will pit them against each other where strength may be. Uh, wins out over fitness, but or, or or agility. But you know, there's a lot of interesting things. I'm only they've been releasing two episodes a week. Um, there's there aren't that many episodes total. But what I think is interesting, kind of like with the Singles Inferno, is despite the fact that they say things like this is about fiscal perfection, and then they kind of have to talk themselves up to the camera, like I'm the strongest man in, in Korea. I'm gonna I can beat anyone. Um, usually, when it comes down to the actual um, competition. 
they actually have a lot of good sportsmanship. Like, there's only a tiny bit of trash talk, but in the end, they usually like hug and they're like, "Oh, you did so well. It's an honor going up against you, or whatever." Or you know, if they lose, they're like, "Yeah, I should have known better. I need to work harder." So, like, most of it is good. There's one very toxic person who everyone hates. Um, but that's good TV. That's good TV, but also I'm just like, I'm kind of curious where he's going because he's still around. Um, so there's one point where they've reduced a lot of the numbers from 100 to like half. And so for them to, um, when they advance, they get to go to a place where I guess they get to actually like hang out. So they enter this room and it's like floor to ceiling. I kid you not, protein powders and protein other things. Oh, I've seen this clip. They're like <laughs> so amazed. It's like, Willy Wonka chocolate factory levels of like awe. Yes, I I I definitely actually made that joke on Twitter. Uh, so, but it really is that they're just like their eyes are huge. They're like these um, rolling ladders, like you see in the library, which I love. Um, to but for protein powder to get to the top level of the protein powder uh, shelves, it's just and then they have all the workout equipment. It's just hilarious. Um, but it's like the way they even talk about the protein. They're like, this is like better than any restaurant. This is our dream. <laughs> so anyway, I'm enjoying it. it. It makes me feel flabbier. But, you know, um, overall, I think it's just <laughs> kind of fun. And I think if you haven't watched K-dramas, then I think this is something an easier entry point. Everyone can kind of like find someone to sort of cheer against. But there are a lot of people at first. So I don't know. That might be one thing. But uh, yeah, enjoy it. I love how this is like, it's giving less violence. Yeah, it's like a nice squid game. But like cute people, I assume are like physically attractive people. Yeah. And also like Bake Off vibes, right? Since it seems everyone's kind of, except for that toxic dude. Yeah. Everyone seems to be pretty chill. Um, And it seems like this gives like a more satisfying like squid game style competition than like the actual squid games reality show that's being produced right now. Oh, the one where like people are like dying, literally like dying or are getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I am, gee, who would have thought? It's like I am not shocked about that one. Um, it, it, in the history of reality shows and and um ill-conceived notions, Squid Game reality show is one. Um, but yeah, so really I missed the point. Yeah, I, I. It's like no, just keep it as a TV show. Um, but yeah, so uh, the last episode I watched ended in a cliffhanger i really really hope it goes the way i want it to go or else like my spirit will be very disappointed um i'm not expecting a woman to win it would be nice but at the same time um at least along the way i want a little bit of uh uh, fairness so um i don't want to just a bunch of roided up dudes at the end that would be very boring (laughs) to me um but yeah i recommend it anyway uh marvin what's popping with you all right, so um, I've been reading a lot of books. Um, we've been doing a lot of author chats for Books and Boba. And a book that I read recently that I really liked is um, The Chinese Groove by Catherine Ma. Um, it is a story about a young um, Chinese immigrant named Shelley who um, immigrates to America um, from Yunnan province in China, um, where he is a member of a despised branch of his large Chinese family. Um which basically means that he is descended from the third wife of his grandfather um, and so is not like part of the main branch of his family. There's all these like Chinese family politics that if you know, 
um, you know, or if you've watched Chinese dramas, you know. Uh, so his father saves up money for him to go to America as an international student um, at San Francisco State and to live with his uh, relatives who immigrated to America generations ago and supposedly lived in a big mansion and own a chain of very fancy department stores. But once he arrives in America, he realizes that um, the fancy department store chain is actually a corner store bodega in the Sunset District of San Francisco. And the giant <laughs> family mansion is just a San Francisco like city house. And he might not actually oh. have a permanent place to stay after all because his American relatives are dealing with their own um, Asian American style um, intergenerational um, drama. And so the book follows his adventures as he tries to make it in America. Um, uh, but he's not deterred because he believes in a concept called the Chinese groove, which is Shelley's own way of defining the unspoken bond between Chinese countrymen um, that manifests if you just know the right um, inputs and things to say. So, for example, if someone offers you charity, um, you're supposed to refuse them first before accepting it, um, yes. thereby um, saving face yes. or say when um, the chef of the restaurant you're working under table for hands you a container full of leftovers and scraps that's their way of making sure that you get food um, to eat and it was fun to see how the book uses this concept of the Chinese groove to portray the informal support systems that become a you know a secret social safety net for these Chinese immigrants to help each other out and another thing that I really liked about the story is usually stories about poor immigrants trying to make it in America focuses on like the struggle and the hardships and the sadness. But our main character, Shelley, is a man of balanced optimism. He always sees the bright side of things. You know, when when the world shuts a door on him, he immediately goes and tries to find the next open door. And while he does feel frustrated, he never like loses that joy of wonder of life. And I thought it was a really refreshing take on like the immigrant story. So yeah, the book is The Chinese Groove by Catherine Ma. It's available at bookstores everywhere now. And I had a lot of fun reading it. And if any of that sounded interesting to you, um, yeah, definitely check it out. I just added it to my queue. Uh, <laughs> I like the illustration on the cover. Yeah. And it's not HarperCollins. So hey, all good things. Yeah, it's not HarperCollins. HarperCollins, which is still in, I think they're in week two of mediation. Um, they still haven't come to a contract yet. Um, it's still, oh, I think they've been on strike for three months now. Yeah, uh, I, I keep looking to see if there's any movement. So far, no. <laughs> um, and on that note, um, that'll do it for what's popping for this week. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about the Oscar-nominated film, The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, stick around. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun.
And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're checking out The Banshees of Inishirin, a 2022 black comedy directed, written, and co-produced by Martin McDonough about a pair of best friends who aren't best friends anymore. It takes place on a fictional island called Inishirin off the coast of Ireland and stars Colin Farrow and Brendan Gleeson as the two ex-BFFs and also stars um, Carrie Condon and Baron Keegan. Um, the film is nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. Basically, a whole bunch of Oscars. It's one of the frontrunners going into the Oscars alongside everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, so yeah, I guess to start off, what did everyone think of The Banshees of Uh So I enjoyed it. I I went in, besides just seeing the, the trailer, I went in knowing only that there was a donkey, um, <laughs> which my friend said, look, I'll enjoyed it. There's a good donkey. I was like, okay, cool. I'll watch it. And, you know, I like Irish stuff. Um, I didn't realize until I was watching, I was like, this feels like, wait. Uh, so apparently Martin McDonough had written a trilogy of plays and this is the third of them. And I had seen the second one. Oh, uh, When I visited London, I just wanted to see a play with my friend. We were like, hey, there's this Irish play that is a comedy and it stars Aidan Turner, the hot vampire from Being Human. So we were like, let's just do it. We didn't know what it was either. Uh, I saw a cat in the poster. Again, you get me with an animal and it's Irish. Sure, I'll see it. It was also very darkly comedic. Um, it had to do with the IRA. So I was just like, while I was watching this, it's like, this feels like... And sure enough, yes, there's a reason why I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed this. It is... When when we talk about darkly comedic, definitely very dark. But I what I really enjoy is just... There's a, a v- enjoyable sort of um, language thing going on. The insults are very fun. Yes. And there's just sort of a randomness in the way like the thoughts go together that I enjoyed. Um I I think one of the insults I liked um when it came to Calm who is ang- uh who is done with his friend uh Padrick is that he's like uh you just you're just like a, a lot of aimless chatter from a limited man. He just called him a limited man. I was just like, "Oh, that's just such a nice way of saying not too smart." Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of things going on there. A lot of animals. I do enjoy the animals. Uh, don't want to, I don't know if this is a theme, but it was a running theme in the second movie, a uh, second movie, second play where there is a threat to animals. So I, I don't, now I'm kind of worried any Martin Madonna thing I'm going to watch from now on. Maybe I need to be braced for animal danger. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's true. I guess we should say up front that animals do get hurt, and there is um there is animal death. There, it's just there's just film. no torture, and it's not on screen like horribleness. So it's not like these animals are mistreated in any way in the production. And so I do warn my friends like we say, hey, there's animal death off screen or something, or there's animal death, but you don't hear see it or hear or whatever. Um, but yeah, so. Um, because I had gone on and on about the donkey, I wanted just to mention that in case you were wanting a yeah. happy uh, animal movie. It's not that, quite that. That was a cute donkey. Um, Jess, what did you think of Banshees of Inisherin? Yeah, I'm also pretty familiar with Martin McDowell's work as a former, you know, as it was a, a rehab theater kid. Uh, did did a lot of his scene work, actually, from his first play in this trilogy, Cripple of Inishman, um, in high school read a lot of his work and his language, his dialogue, as Han spoke about earlier, is just so charming. Mm-hmm. It's so 
idiosyncratic for both, I think, a time and place that he has created. Like, I don't expect real Irish people from the 1930s <laughs> to talk like this. But, you know, in the Martin McDowell extended alternate universe, um, they do. And it's extremely entertaining, right? Like, like not just the insults, but just, you know, as a dumb American, it's always fun to hear other accents. Um, I think we're all pretty familiar with the British, you know, mm-hmm. and the highfalutin British kind of as a pinnacle of like culture, but you know, when, when Colin Farrell who, and the cast, which is who are all genuinely Irish, mm-hmm. um, are going around saying feckin. Yeah. It's, it's so charming. Like, it's just so charming. And I think that <laughs> the fact that this cast is phenomenally talented, uh, we have Colin Farrell who has worked with Martin McDowell for a few movies. Now, Brendan Gleeson, who's like, you know, the old stalwart and is also General Hux's dad, by the way. I that always just Yeah, I didn't realize Yeah, he's also that. Mad Eye Moody. He's <laughs> Mad Eye Moody in the Harry Potter films. And and again, General Hux's dad. A very, very ta- handsome, talented uh father-son duo there. And um, uh, you know, you and Barry Keegan, who is like mm-hmm. really was very, very hot in the internals. Right. And was very not hot in this one. Yeah. So which is just like that is acting, you know? And and of course, J- um, Carrie Condon, who I was not that familiar with before, like just a fantastic core cast, li- really great actors around it. And I do think that when you're so dialogue heavy and character heavy that you really need great actors to pull this off, which I think he did. But I will say I was a little underwhelmed because i did know that it was very nominated i know people were talking about the you know colin farrell is in the running to win lead actor i believe um and i'm not saying that's not well deserved but But, you know it does it is like very much like a play that was adapted into a film yeah i would Um, I would mm-hmm. say definitely um, anyone going into it without knowing much, don't expect like a huge like plot driven with a lot of highs and lows. This is definitely more kind of like a play. So it's all about the tension. Yeah. It's, it's about, character. Mm-hmm. It's about relationships, dynamics, the dialogue, um, which I, I, I mean, it is great. I think it is kind of the, you know, it's firing all cylinders on that point. But I think in a year where your competition is everything everywhere all at once or Top Gun Maverick or uh, what are the other nominees? (laughs) I don't think Top Gun Maverick is, is in the running as a top tier best picture nominee. Which I don't understand why not. Like it was a great film that delivered and all this technical drama, but that's the thing. I think this brings up really interesting questions in the Oscar conversation about like, what do you reward (laughs) in a film? Right. Like, what are we rewarding? Um, And I was I really enjoyed this film. But at the same time, I was a little underwhelmed because I was expecting something a little bit more, Um, especially because I do think the tragic comedy or the black comedy has been more and more mainstream. And I think a lot of really great filmmakers are utilizing that genre now. So. I don't even think this is the best tragic comedy I've seen. Like, I, w- I would say, you know, Parasite's a tragic comedy and 
that ha- yeah. the scope of that was a lot larger. I mean, I really enjoyed this film as well. I mean, I can see why it's getting Oscar buzz specifically for the actors because the performances in this film are top notch. I mean, they have obviously with the director writer being a playwright, um, they have a lot of meat, a lot of like good stuff to work with. Um, and the location is beautiful. I mean, it makes me want to like, I've traveled to Ireland before, but I only, I only stayed in Dublin. So I wasn't able to go see all these like beautiful places. I was only there for like two days. Um, and it makes me want to go back there again, just to like roll in the countryside. Right. (laughs) I definitely agree that the climax wasn't as high or as heightened as like, say some of the other best picture films in the running. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I felt like I did enjoy it throughout. Like the comedy part of it is actually, it's really funny, right? A lot of their, it's not just like the things that they say, but also like the physical performance too from the actors are were all yeah. really strong. I think. Yeah, I think, I think I enjoyed it too. Um, maybe if you temper your expectations, then um, you'll, you'll really, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to make you cry or make you like feel feelings. I mean, but... I was upset at one point. <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, you do feel sad for these, like, very toxic men. And let's, like, the main character, like, the two main characters in this film, the two best friends who aren't best friends anymore, they're, they exhibit a lot of very, like, toxic qualities, yeah. right? And, and I will say, in, in one regard, I would not recommend this to certain of my friends or family members who I know would want more of a, a bigger plot-driven sort of thing. Um, so you kind of... Sh- should want to sink in and just sort of enjoy these very, you know, like I, just these I characters. I am finding <laughs> that the more movies I watch, the more I engage critically with like content, the more the older I get and like my time becomes more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it harder and harder to find empathy with male protagonists who like make their own problems. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of talked about this in uh, Decision to Leave, which mm-hmm. is a film I enjoyed thoroughly and was also wonderful and had great performances, specifically from Tang Wei. But like at the same time, I'm just like, th- th- because there's like that running thought in my head or there's that barrier in my head, I'm just like, I can never get like 100% invested in some of these stories because I'm just like, my dude, I know it sucks. He's being very cruel, but like you gotta have. He's setting a boundary, and you you gotta just, I you I, just gotta let it go. Like this is a movie about men who don't understand boundaries, and like the one woman who's sick of everyone's shit, right? Yeah, I I will agree <laughs> that I'm the type of person who, as soon as someone in any way shows that they are like not happy with me or they cross the line i'm like i'm very fine with just cutting someone off <laughs> so if someone was just like i don't want you to talk to me anymore i'm just like well fuck you too so um the fact that colin farrell's uh character just keeps going back and back and back for more i'm just like dude just hang out with your donkey donkey I know, likes you've you other friends there's other friends who yeah, like you your dominant. sister's very kind um yeah it's, but I get it that that's ugh. not where the tension is. So whatever, I had to yeah. kind of just like sus- suspension of disbelief. But yes, I would not be. I mean, but the tension is mm-hmm. like between these two people who are like, my my guys, you don't need to go this far to like prove a point. And like speaking of cutting things off, like Brendan oh, yeah. Gleeson's character, Combe, he like. Um, it's in the trailer. So we can. Like, we can. yeah, he's yeah, <laughs> he's, you know, he's threatening physical harm to himself if Colin Farrell's. Um, 
Patrick keeps talking to him and he follows through with that. And it's like, dude, that's kind of gaslighting too, right? Like you're like trying to make it his fault that you're hurting yourself. And like, I guess you're following through with it. So it's not exactly gaslighting. I mean, but I mean it's, it's, still- it's like the, it is two personalities who are like, again, that's where the story, that's where the tension's mm-hmm. driven from. But you know, they also represent like the, the when they have these conversations, like, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you want to spend time with me? And and then it really comes to this idea of like, how do you spend your life? Which to me was the most successful angle of this fight. Because when I see that took them as two like very like at face characters who are making these dumbass decisions in their personal life, I'm like, I don't understand why either of them are doing this. This is just dumb and men are stupid. But when we when I take like a step back and I'm like, okay, thematically, what are we trying to say? What are we asking, right? It's like, how do you live your life? And and I think it is important to note that the men are different ages, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, Colm is much older and he does have this sense of like, sense that his mortality is not fight. You know, he is more aware of his mortality. He's thinking about what he how he wants to spend the rest of his time, what he wants to leave behind. And for him, it is to create something versus um, Colin Farrell's character, Pat, Patrick. It's Patrick, right? Parrick. Podrick. Parrick. Sorry. Yeah. I'm the you Irish say the D. and the Celtic yeah. Irish names is, is real bad. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, well, no, it's well, we about, know, con- we all know Siobhan. Siobhan. Of, uh, yes. Yeah. I've known, yeah, I've known several. Yeah. Shiv. It's still, oh my God, I will say it was still wild. Like, you know, read Cause I had the captions on and I'm just like, oh my God, what the like, the I know name. that is Siobhan. Why is there a B in there? Why is because because the B is spelled like is pronounced like a V. B H is like a V, mm-hmm. right? In mm-hmm. in Celtic Irish, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is like real. I'm like, who is that? I'm like, oh, Shiv- oh, who is that? Oh, that's that's uh, his last name is like very Irish too, right? So like then, Padre. yeah. So, so I'm like, I cannot, I cannot say that. I cannot say that as it's written. read that as it's spelled written. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So and he he he, you know, Padre's is like you know, it's about connection and leaving being nice uh le- being nice and leaving a legacy to the, your immediate circle and the people who will remember you um so that i thought was an interesting question and an interesting kind of two arguments but of course the, it's a tragic comedy so the tragic comedy i think is that like you know his song sucks yeah it's not that special it's 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 <laughs> if we want to read more into it we can but you don't have to know anything more about it but it is technically set during the Irish Civil War. So, because um, they mentioned that several times, uh, it's in the news, but you only hear like distant, like cannon fire or whatever, gunfire. Um, but if you think about that, the Irish Civil War is, you know, fought within um, within Ireland, among Irish people. Um, and they even have a line somewhere there where they're talking about there's an execution. They're like, who's being executed? It's like, I don't know which size. I just want to see someone die. So it's kind of like, oh, this yeah. is pointless. I mean, that line spoken by the most hateable right, character. Right. Oh my in god! The oh cast. my god! I also could have lived my life without seeing his wiener. He, I mean, that's a very unattractive. We- I haven't seen like mm. that many wieners in my life, but that one was not it. And that shot lingers. <laughs> like he's in the background, but you can definitely see that peen in focus while uh, Parik and um, and Dominic are talking. Yeah. I, I have to say there's going to be a lot of peen on, on the screen um, these days. <laughs> Sex life is coming back. But um, I think that's also the new 
full frontal. I mean, I do appreciate that it's not like an attractive. Yeah, thing, yeah. Right? It's just like if you watch, was it Zola? Uh, there's a- no, man, that's not feminism. Okay, fucking. I need. I'm I not need saying it's feminism. Be- I'm t- saying it's a an unattractive peens. I know. I want. I want good looking peens. Like, like you never see like 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 ninety percent of lady boobs are like sexy lady boobs. All right. I want. I want attractive peens. Watch Sex Life. <laughs> First season has it, and then I hear a lot about the second season, which I have screeners for. So anyway. Okay. Okay. But I also hear like half the time those peens are fake. Like the yes, white lotus prosthetic. peen was fake. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, Where Minx, is the equity? Minx, Minx has a lot of peen. Um, oh but maybe we don't want to see something that's not a prosthetic. <laughs> uh, anyway. Bear up, man. If you're being paid, I want you, you better show it. <laughs> if you're asking for attractive, maybe that's why it's prosthetic. <laughs> so anyway. Um, I mean, speaking of cop peen, um, <laughs> this film was surprisingly had some a cab moments in it. Yes, I I did appreciate yeah. that. Um, I also I saw you wrote that in the notes. I also was gonna be like, wow, Martin McDonough is saying a cab, and we love that. Mm-hmm. Um, both sides they're fighting, but they both hate the cop. He's <laughs> pretty much the most awful character. I get him while he's there, but like, I really could have done without him. Over, over it. I guess coming from its background as a play, there are a lot of really cool like character roles that populate this world, including you know the the busybody gossip um, general store lady, oh um, <laughs> the men in the pub, um, and like the um, the old crone. Or is she a banshee? Is she a banshee? Is she the banshee of Inisherin? <laughs> I mean, the banshee. If, if <laughs> yeah. I mean, she she did portend mm-hmm. death. In, throughout the film. I mean, you can see her the way you like to. Um, they do, Banshees do wail about um, death. They they cry. There's supposedly no Banshees, according to Calm. He only used the word Banshees in a Sharon in his song because he liked the double H's in the title. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking about that too, because as a, as a piece of folklore... I was trying to figure out what it meant until I was just like, eh, I guess it could be her. She does talk about death. Um, and um, but also, honestly, if we're talking about whiners, like what about the men? And and that one lady from the general store. Who yeah. Opens other people. Yeah. The, the postmistress. I was like, what the hell? But, you know, she's enjoyable as <laughs> as with any small town. This is the other thing I keep thinking about is honestly. I wouldn't go as far as cutting my fingers off, of course, but. Haven't we all been there where you're in a situation where, like, the number of people you encounter are limited? So you kind of just make a friend, you know, you can deal with. But then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, man, um, it wouldn't be my friend outside of this certain situation. <laughs> you know, uh, I was going to ask you guys, have you guys ever ghosted a friend? No. So here's the thing. While I have not, I think I've just sort of, we both fallen apart before. Um, So I've never cut off a friend or anything like that. But I did have a friend who was treated very similarly like this, where the guy she kept going out with, and this is not a romantic thing at all, um, all of a sudden blew up at her and was just like, I'm so tired of 
and like listed all of these things. And I was pissed at him because she didn't know that he was being annoyed all this time. Like he could have drawn a line earlier. And so that's kind of what I was reminded of with this. It's like, if you thought he was so dull all this time, why are you hanging out with him? You know, um, so it, it kind of pissed me off more. And the thing is, you are following Parik the whole time. So you're supposed to, even if you don't think he's like that smart, you are supposed to maybe feel a little bit of like how he's sort of like baffled all of a sudden like this friendship is cut off yeah um but anyway i i did and i did like that about the film and the writing in itself like he just launches you into it right like Mm -hmm. you go in there's no backstory there's no exposition you just kind of have to figure out these relationships as they're unfolding in front of you um which i was like you know maybe maybe this is because you know a lot of my uh my day job right now is watching maybe some some films that have too much exposition. Oh. Um so it's it's just that confidence is is was very refreshing to watch. And and I mean Martin McDowell is a very singular voice. He I like I, I'm sure he'll have a lot of imitators, but like you can kind of tell when there's a Martin McDowell script, right? In Bruges. Um maybe the weird like offshoot is three billboards which was yeah. not good um but but <laughs> you know the, being nominated. the the r and islands trilogy like his play trilogies mm-hmm. like it, it always it all has his uh you know his mark on it it's all very irish if you've been to ireland they do have very lovely oral history you know chatty culture mm-hmm. uh very friendly overall um and and very melodic so mm-hmm. i i do think that all those adjectives i would also use to describe his writing um and again the colin farrell is so like okay i i have to ask this do you guys remember when colin farrell was just like a d-bag yeah like his public persona <laughs> was a d-bag like I, i'm always very jarred when i see that he is now like beloved like not tepid but like harmless good boy Himbo, I'm like, no, he was, like, getting drunk and, like, stumbling out of shit and, like, getting into fights and stuff. But here's the and thing. He, wasn't, he was yeah. always seen as a good actor, even when he was in that era. Because yes. being, being older, I do remember thinking, like, you're cute, but you're such an idiot. Like, as far as, like, the way you're running your life. But, of course, you're young. Um, but I just remember, like, I've been to a few of his junkets when it, he was younger. And I was just like... You're so good, though. So it, it's kind of like I'm kind of glad that he's kind of entered this phase um, where people aren't seeing his personal life that much anymore. Like, yes, distracting. I think he stopped drinking, yeah, which is great. You know, maybe age calms us all. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I just to me, it's just like it's so weird to be like, wow, Bullseye from Daredevil is now nominated for an Oscar, might win <laughs> it. Um, did he do Britney Spears for like a hot second? I don't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I remember that. I remember Phone Booth, that movie he did where he's in the phone booth. Oh, I booth. do remember Phone Booth. I remember Phone Booths were a thing. Actually, pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean, Colin has always been talented. It's just, um, <laughs> it is funny that his new persona seems to be through the characters he's been playing is kind of like, you know, quirky doodad. Yeah, <laughs> or like sad sack, like this film. And I don't know if was his eyebrow style to make him look sad all the time or is no, just that's him just like his eyebrows he just has face he has extremely extremely expressive eyebrows yeah and they're very thick he always has but i do think yeah. in older age 
uh, men's eyebrows can get a little bit more overwhelming on their face. Uh, or maybe they just <laughs> let it be so for this movie. So maybe uh, like less grooming or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another actor that's been getting a lot of buzz is Barry Keegan's mm-hmm. portrayal of Dominic. Um, what did you all think of this creepy little boy? Oh my God. So gross. <laughs> like, which, which is like, I would not want to be like 10 feet of him because, yeah, he would just probably like pop a boner at you. Um, but, but like, again, like Barry Keegan, so versatile. Like, mm-hmm kind of amazing right um because he was yeah he's very sexy yeah, I mean, like said, again in the eternals he was very, like a very and the whole press tour for like, eternals just very sexy yeah and then he and then was doing the in, um, in green knight he played like a very threatening like mm-hmm. thief man mm-hmm. right? and then the joker he was the joker right oh i didn't watch end, that or the riddler he's like gonna be in the batman movies and he's just so like small and timid and or not timid but like just just not given like just kind of kicked down but like um yeah just his physicality is totally different even though he's not in any makeup or anything um and that you know you you obviously do feel bad for the guy um with the asshole dad like that uh it's just i i my question my i'm wondering like what is what is his character supposed to be in dimensionality too i mean the way i saw it is like everyone kind of gave him crap for being like a creepy guy with no boundaries when that is the same exact character traits of every other man on this island as well i you know so here's the thing i i definitely agree he was creepy he didn't know how to talk to women he just was like horny all the time but at the same time uh I don't want to excuse it because it's never an excuse, but knowing like his sort of backstory or what's be- what is going on at home with him and then how we see him later. I don't want to spoil it as far as like a conversation he has. It kind of just seems like he had no one to kind of model uh, uh, behavior. And so I, I, I mean, yeah, all he has is like all these sad. Yeah, men so I feel like, like he was trying out stuff and how to talk. And if nobody said that's not right or that's whatever uh there was a moment it was interesting because like he uses like vocabulary word <laughs> that uh Potterick doesn't even know and um which i thought was hilarious because i was like wait you actually kind of know certain things but you just usually talk about the one thing that everyone is expecting of you so i felt like there was a <laughs> lot of like sort of missed opportunities with mm-hmm. this person um he was creepy but he was actually I thought also just very tragic. Um, like no one was paying attention to him. He was universally accepted to be the dimmest person on the on the island, which they've actually talked about. So I was just like, ah, what a what a horrible existence to be the lowest of the low on this island of t- of like a tiny population. small people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, tragic yeah. comedy, right? Um, and it's. <laughs> It's also this movie also made me really just I at several points throughout this movie I thought to myself my god I'm so glad I have a smartphone <laughs> like and like TV <laughs> like could you imagine just having to Uh-oh. spend your days in the small isolated community like just hanging out I I I thought about it because I've I've thought about this a lot of times cuz people talk about being in from small towns where everyone knows who you are and your mom and all your business. And I'm just like, I think I would become a hermit. 
um, I don't think I could deal that much with people constantly being in my business. So I'd probably actually get a really bad reputation and I'd be the grouchy person. Um, kind of like how I've been <laughs> since the pandemic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I deal with it well, actually. I mean, which brings us to, I guess, the most sympathetic character in the entire film, Siobhan, played by um, Carrie mm-hmm. Condon, who just has to deal with all these dumb, dumb dudes all day. And like you mentioned, Han, all she can do is just like read the same books every day <laughs> at home. And, and it's also interesting to me that she's like the only positive family we see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Colm is essentially alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic would be better off being alone without his dad. Mm-hmm. And then you have sweet Podrick, who has his sweet sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, man, that's just like older sister energy. Like, she got to just take care of everyone and deal with, you know, manage her brother's relationships and try to figure her out and like try to talk sense in him. So I am glad she got out and hopefully is onto greener pastures. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause she's really the only voice of reason <laughs> in this whole movie. Right. She's just explicitly calling out, like you got that fact wrong. Like it's fu- You had to leave him alone. Um, <laughs> do he do anything to you? Like, can we communicate like yeah. adults here? And then everyone refuses and to ill effect. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, if they listened am, to her, yeah. it would have been fine. But of course, they're not yeah, it's kind of like sometimes you ever like watch a like a like a rom com or a movie, and you're like, wow, if everyone just had better or like like bare minimum functional communication yeah. skills, like none of this drama would be happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Siobhan is that, or Siobhan's like the cell phone that would have solved all the problems if they had just like texted each other. <laughs> um, but right, if Siobhan was the main character, this movie would have been, would have been over. In like 10 minutes. It is kind like, of, yeah. It is very like Cassandra-esque, right? Um, like this female figure that can see the, all the parts, but no one listens to. So I wonder if that's deliberate. Um, she is really the only woman of note in the story. Um, <laughs> the, I, sorry, I don't count the Banshee postmistress or Banshee. <laughs> uh, they don't get to, you know, say a lot or like leave the little what? like... What about Jenny? <laughs> are, are we cause, oh, oh Jenny. Jenny. The donkey. Jenny didn't deserve that. Jenny was a sweetie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad she finds her catharsis in leaving this place as opposed to finding love or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that made the most sense also. Because um, honestly, who would she have hooked up with? <laughs> the pickings were slim. Yes. <laughs> As she said, everyone on the island, all the men are dull. Uh yes. Oh my god, Marvin, what would you on the on the scale of insults, like for you as a man, because you're the only man on this podcast, <laughs> how how devastating is dull? If someone just be like, wow, you're dull. Because I feel like height and baldness are like always top tier and you're neither bald and you're very tall. So like what if someone just was like, Marvin, you're dull. How how, how would you feel? That would hurt actually because <laughs> I don't see myself as a dull person. I don't think anyone wants to be dull. Yeah. Like, that's just like I can be boring. I'm okay with boring maybe. What or, is like, the difference? I think dull is also dim I think dull also. suggests that – not even that you're you're not intelligent, but that you're 
not even street smart. You're not even like, you have nothing to offer. Yeah. yeah, it's like almost like yeah. the opposite of like witty, right? Like I think boring. I kind of agree because I think boring is a purely subjective thing. So if someone called me boring, I'd be like whatever. Um, but dull, it's just kind of like wait, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think she does mean it in that no one on this island, like all the men on this island, are dull. I think she was definitely saying like you're not any better than my brother. <laughs> And so he, uh, for him to find his brother, her brother dull, I was just like, yeah, that's an interesting take. Because what are you bringing to the table here, dude? Yeah, I mean, she also calls him out on his bullshit yeah. too, and and <laughs> he's not that yeah. smart. Shaban's Shaban's the only real one on this island. I'm just like, you could have just like hung out with him less, right? And then or kept writing. Like, there's so many other options instead of like I'm gonna stop talking to you and cut off my fingers. I just men. Sorry, that's why sometimes I'm just I'm just like I y'all y'all just think things through a little bit, please. Like, don't cheat on your wife. And, uh, you know, talk to your friend and be like, hey, I'm going to take a step back. I also feel like if he had just, do you think it would have changed the outcome, the the story, if Cole was more straightforward and was just like, and potentially a little kinder about it, be like, hey, I just need to spend time writing music for a while. So I can't hang out as often. I want to say yes, because because I feel like if he had just told him that, you know, oh, I'm going to spend some time alone working on my shit, um, Patrick probably would, would have been cool with that, right? I think because what bothered him the most was the fact that Colm told him we're not friends anymore. Uh, Without explanation. So, so yeah, but here's the yeah. thing. It, it was all bullshit, you know? So, like, yes, he wanted to do this art and, like, have something in his legacy, but I think he also saw... Patrick as sucking away his creativity because he didn't have anyone else, you know, like cut off. It was literally he was like, you are wasting my time with your your aimless chatter um, and uh, and ch- whatever with this limited man. So but he still went to the pub. He still talked to other people. You I mean, know, he, stopped, he was still friendly with the cop guy, yeah, the shitty cop. Yeah. So it wasn't that he just needed to be alone to work. He literally focused and aimed it at his best friend and kind of was almost blaming him for that, which is kind of why I think this sort of like Civil War thing kind of like sort of works as an allegory um, to turn on <laughs> someone and uh, to blame them for the, whatever things that you are finding, you know, uh, insecure about. Um I mean, yeah. that's what he did when he cut off his own he fingers. He spited like, himself. It's your fault that I'm cutting off yeah. my fingers. Right? It, it does seem very, um, it seems very, um, I'm not taking accountability oh, yeah, no. for my own Just like a man. dullness. Just like a man. Anyway. <laughs> Just, oh, man. It is It isn't interesting because right. I, I don't know this. Do you think this, I mean, we, to me, it's very obviously like toxic masculinity, but it's not necessarily the most obvious like portrayal of it right? there's not a lot of right i mean towards the end it gets quite aggro he does like spoiler set a house on fire but like very calmly does it um i i mean it's toxic in the way that like masculine pride gets in the way of their like moving on or reconciling you know yes. like it gets to a point where they just can't admit that they're wrong now yeah and they have to prove I, and get even right yeah the homies should kiss and make up <laughs> 
Well, with all the women leaving, maybe that's all that's going to be left for them. They will have uh, to. I mean, yes, it's a film featuring toxic masculinity, but it's also a comedy about how toxic masculinity eats itself at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Just bad communication, like, and not uh, uh, respecting boundaries. Like, in the end, it's just about relationships. So. Yes, and <laughs> yes. I'm just like, my dude, just take the L. Take the L and go. <laughs> yeah, there are many, many steps along the way that one of them could have stopped it somehow, and they just didn't, though. So. <sighs> <Anyway>. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess before we um, call it, um, we have to ask ourselves, is the Banshees of Inisherin good pop? Even with all my comments, I say yes. I think we need to also not, we need to not forget about the character-driven, actor-driven drama, dramedies, original stories um, by unique voices. Um, And I do enjoy things about Irish people, (laughs) like the Dairy Girl. So please make more content about Irish people. Uh, yeah, it's uh, what well, it's a feckin' good like, right? <laughs> feckin' feckin' good. Um, but yeah, I would. It's it's something where I know I had watched in Bruges, and um, I think it was Seven Psychopaths before. I have no memory of it, so I'm going to go back and watch those um, because I enjoyed this enough. Yeah, I'm definitely. I haven't seen any of uh, Martin McDonald's work before neither, so I'll, I'm definitely going to go back and check out his catalog as well. Um, and yeah, I agree with Jess. This is definitely a film for people who like watching film it's, it's just a in a world filled with like green screens and boom boom movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um i think a film that showcases acting showcases dialogue and letting letting really talented actors shine with good dialogue and good directing and all those are reasons why this film is very highly regarded going to oscar season and um i could definitely see where the hype comes from so I guess that'll do it for our discussion of The Banshees in Sharon. Um, it's streaming now on HBO Max if you want to catch it before the Oscars. Um, <clears throat> Jess and Han, if you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Still on Twitter, till it dies, at Just You Tweets. And I'm at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. You can check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Um, Thanks for joining us for another episode of Good Pop. I guess we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 